Got to watch the uh, Jesus Revolution film last night. Has anybody not seen it? Not seen it? It's about the uh, Jesus movement that went through uh, the 1970s in, in California and just kind of spread around the world among the hippie movement and how Jesus reached them. And uh, Cal- the founding of Calvary Chapel with uh, Pastor Chuck Smith and then uh, Vineyard with Lonnie Fisher and Harvest with Gary, uh, Greg Laurie and just how Jesus did some really cool things, uh, baptizing. And one of the scenes is uh, when they first, the, some of the, the hippies begin to come to this one church and one of the guys says, we just bought new shag carpet and they're coming in here and they're completely barefoot. You know, the hippies are, they're not wearing shoes. And so he brought up this very valid point of our carpet is going to be destroyed. Of course, it's only valid if that's what's important. You know, it's a valid point. But at the same time, if you're reaching souls and people are being saved, then I guess you get rid of the carpet and you put in hardwood or something that you can clean. But it was just funny because then the next time Chuck Smith, the pastor of the church, uh, sat at the front door and washed the feet of everybody that was coming in to get the hippies' feet clean so that they could walk on the, on the carpet, you know. It was just one of, the, it was a, it's a neat story. It reminded me a lot of Russia in 92, 93, 94, when uh, just people were getting saved left and right and mass baptisms and the chaos that ensued. This film is a good film because it isn't, it doesn't whitewash it. It doesn't make everything happy and glorious and all is good and peachy. Uh, it's, it's the reality of it, the conflict, the... Uh, people dealing with issues in their souls even after they follow Jesus. Uh, so it, it's a good movie. I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, it is out now. You can rent it on any streaming service. It's available for rent, and there's a few places that are still sewing it. But last night, I went to a drive-in theater and sat outside and watched it in that cold. Woo is right. I was like, dear God, what have I done? It was cold. But it was worth it because it warmed your heart, you know, as your toes were cold and my heart was warm. <clears throat> anyway, uh, another on a side note, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Star Trek. And if you ever watched Star Trek, did you ever feel sorry for the guys in red? Because they're these, if, if you wore a red uniform, more than likely you were going to get killed by the monster. And you were just... <laughs> You were fodder to the cannons if you had a red shirt on, you know. And so uh, uh, Mary, who Mary Sparling is a pretty big Star Trek fan. And if you didn't know it back in her past, she organized Star Trek conventions. And she knew all the actors and actresses. She knew them all, except for William Shatner, who she said was rude. But anyway, so it's if you ever want to talk about it, she has a great story. But in the process of our Con, con, conversing about that because I grew up watching Star Trek. It, we, I, I always felt sorry for the red-shirted guys, you know, and we just would talk about it and how sometimes as Christians we act like red-shirt guys. And David's uh, thing this morning was kind of like that. Do you believe that you're just a red-shirt guy? God's doing this wonderful plot. He's doing this wonderful thing, and you're there just for cannon fodder or to get eaten by the alien or whatever, you know. You're expendable. 
you're not valued. And uh, God doesn't have red shirted. So Mary and I joke about that all the time that, yeah, we don't have red shirts on. God sees us, you know, uh, we're important to his kingdom. He doesn't have red shirt guys. And so I just want to encourage you, don't, don't act like and don't believe that you have wearing a red shirt. You're one of the, you know, you're one of the important ones that God has because that's God has all important. God sees all of us. We're all highly valued in his kingdom. Okay? Just a side note. Mary and I were talking about this morning, so I figured I would share. A couple quick jokes before I get into the word this morning because you need them. Uh, <laughs> I chuckled at this one. Hopefully you do as well. This one says, um, this is a guy talking. He said, man, my girlfriend, she keeps poking me in the eyes accidentally, but she keeps poking me in the eyes. So I've stopped seeing her for a while. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the other one I thought of because last night was so cold. Did you know that the uh, inventor or the guy who came up and discovered the wind chill factor died recently? He was 82, but he felt like 65. <laughs> okay, there you go. Now, now we'll get into the word. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to uh, John chapter 14. We're going to talk about Jesus this morning. I love talking about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to, if you've got your finger there in John 14, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Jesus, I so thank you for the opportunity to talk about you this morning. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for ministering to us, for healing us, Lord, for giving us hope for the future and helping to change our perspective of you and our ability to receive your good things that you have for us, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you do. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as this word that I believe you placed on my heart, Lord, help me to get it out. Holy Spirit, help me to get the words out in the right way uh, that people will be able to grab a hold of and run with, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would preach the sermon to each individual heart, to emphasize to each one as you desire what you want to do. Reveal Jesus as you desire. I thank you for your anointing would rest upon your word, and it does not return void. I thank you, Father, for it. And I pray in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So John 14, there's a verse here. This is in the middle of the uh, Last Supper. This is Jesus talking, and he has this really long uh, three or four chapter uh, discourse where he just pours out his heart, the last words of Jesus, before he heads off to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to be arrested and then on to the cross. And one of the things he says here in John 14 is a famous verse that we quote a lot. And I want to take that verse and then build upon it. So verse 6 here. Thomas had said to him in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, verse 6, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. Because you have seen Jesus, you see the father. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now let's jump back a couple chapters to John chapter 7. We're going to begin with the very last verse of that chapter. If you have an NIV, it may not be in there. Verse 53. And then we're going to read through 8.11. So after Jesus had had this, he's sitting there in the, uh, in the temple area, and he's having discussions with all the Pharisees and Sadducees as he's teaching the people. And so they, uh, after do all this, they do all this stuff, and then they get up and they go home, and then verse 53 it says, they went to their own home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives because Jesus is on mission, and he knows his time is short, and so he is uh, uh, spending time with the Father uh, to fulfill all that he needs to do. Verse 2, early in the morning he came again to the temple area, all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them, which I like that. He came, and he just sits down on the ground there in the temple area and begins to teach them. I don't know if it was a, like steps, and they were sitting lower, and he was sitting on a step, or it talks about him drawing in the dirt at this point. So it, it could have just been a big dusty area that he sat down in, got where the people were, and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees probably didn't sit down. Because to sit down gets your clothes dirty. You know, and it's about image. Religiosity, religion is all about image, and I've got to protect the image, okay? So the Pharisees and the scribes, they bring this woman who had just been caught in the act of adultery, and they place her in the midst in front of Jesus. So they do this on purpose. I don't know how they caught this woman. Uh, I don't, you know, there's been a lot of, of thoughts about how they... Uh, caught it exactly uh, right then, whether it was a planned thing or a happenstance that it worked out. But they brought this woman because they're like, okay, we found a way to try to trick Jesus and see if we can't catch him in his words and get rid of him. And they said to him in verse 4, hey, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, it says that we're supposed to stone such type of women. What do you say? So they're trying to get him to go against the law of Moses, which would give them a reason to stone him. Okay? They're trying to catch him in this. This they said to test him, that they might have something to ch some charge to bring against him. And all Jesus did was he just remained seated there, bent down, and wrote with his finger on the ground. Jesus doesn't always answer everything that we ask. Sometimes our heart has to get into the place where we're actually asking to hear so that we can hear. And Jesus isn't manipulated or stressed or overwhelmed or to get to where he answers every accusation against him. Jesus doesn't work that way. So he begins to write with his finger on the ground. And they continued to ask him, how annoying that must have been. You know, 
It's, you know, you, you get this a lot with toddlers. Mama, can I do that? They already know they can't, but they hope to win you down by their constant. Please, 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 please. Well, fine, if you just shut up. Well, Jesus doesn't get that way. Jesus sees their hearts enough and sees the woman enough that he takes the time to patiently speak into the situation that will offer life to all of them. I love this about Jesus. He's very patient. He's very long-suffering. I mean, if it would have been one of us, we probably would have called down fire like Elijah did. And where are these people who condemn you? You just burn them up, you know. And they continued to ask him. And so he stood up and he says to them, so he was sitting and now he stands up. He says to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he sets back down and he writes on the ground. He's not looking in their direction. And when they had heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and going all the way down to the last was gone. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. So here's this poor woman. For whatever reason, she's caught in this sin. Generally, people are caught in this sin because there's a wound in their heart and they're looking for love. They're trying to find love. And they're looking in the wrong place. And they're either trying to get love from men and they seduce or they are seduced by men who really don't love them but just want to use them. But their heart is open to being used because of the wound. So she's not in a good place. Okay? Here she was doing this. I can imagine more than likely she at this point had been crying out to God. God, if you see me, if you hear me, can you do something? Can you help me? Can you save me? I'm so tired of this life. I'm so tired of not being loved. I'm so tired of being the second choice. I'm so tired of being the mistress. I'm so tired of being used. Just the, the whole thing. I'm sure she came out of that, and here she was. Now what? Now I'm getting dragged, and now it's just going to be judgment. All I have left now is judgment. And just the condemnation that the enemy heaps on, Satan does, heaps on, he does not bring hope, Satan brings the opposite, he brings the lack of hope into the situation. And this woman is standing there besides Jesus, she has no idea, I don't think she knows him enough to, to understand where he's coming from, and she's just left there, standing. And Jesus stands up again, standing like speaking with authority. He spoke with authority over the religious ones, and now he's speaking with authority over her. He stands up and says to her, Hey, woman, where are they? Is no one here condemning you anymore? By that, he let her know, I'm not condemning you. He spoke hope. That's a, that's a term of hope. Hey, where did everybody that hated you, where did everybody go that, that judged you, where did everybody go that, that uh, said there was no answer for you? There was only the religious condemnation. Where'd they all go? She said, there's nobody here, Lord. Notice she said, Lord. 
She acknowledged who he was. There's nobody here, Lord. And Jesus says to her, then I don't condemn you, condemn you either. Go now from here and sin no more. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is practically walked out in all of our lives all the time. Jesus speaks over us the authority of the way. He met her right there. She was trapped in this, this cycle, this, this trap of sin, where you sin and there's pain, and then you sin and there's pain, and then you sin and there's... And it's this, the sin promises to get you out of the pain, but the, the sin doesn't. It just makes it worse, and it just drives you down. It's like a cycle going down. And it is the snare of the fowler. Psalms 91, it talks about, he will preserve me from the snare of the fowler. It's the one who's trying to get you, and he entices you with that treat, but all it is is to get your foot caught. This is Jesus. When he came to her, this is where she was, and he shows her her way out of this sin. See, the religious guys didn't have a way out of it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they could offer no way out of the sin. All they could offer was condemnation, judgment, death. There's no hope. There's no, hey, let's work with you. Let's let Jesus heal your heart. Let's get a heart change in here. Because they can't change heart. Religion can't change heart. Religion just tells you what deeds you do right and what deeds you do, quote unquote, wrong. It's pride and pride. They couldn't offer anything. But Jesus, the way, is the way out of dead religion. No more hypocrisy. No more judgment. No more abuse. The way to actual change and freedom. That's what Jesus offered her. He offered her a way to actual change and freedom. A change of heart that let, moved her out of that lifestyle and into a holy lifestyle where she could be devoted to him and have a relationship with the Father. Jesus is the way out of that. Jesus is greater than religion. So if you're caught in a cycle where you're just trying to get yourself out of it, more than likely you're caught in a place of religiosity. That if I did more, if I only did this, then I would get it solved. Religion can never get you out of the cycle. Religion can never get you out of it. Jesus can, because Jesus can change your heart, heal your heart, and open you up to be able to see the path out, which is following Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He's the way. He's also truth. Do you know that he spoke a powerful or power-filled truth over her? Those simple words that he spoke weren't just, just a few phrases that we like to quote. They're, they're actually full of the power of God. He spoke mercy over her. I don't condemn you. He spoke forgiveness over her. I mean, these are life-changing things. He spoke right to her need. 
He spoke agape love and acceptance for where she was to get her to move into freedom. He spoke the importance of God's authority, God's view, and God's answer. This is what he spoke. I see you. I have authority over this sin to forgive it. I have the answer out of this sin. I don't condemn you. You're free to follow me. He spoke freedom. It was like he went to the cell with the key and unlocked the door, and he spoke and threw open the door so that she could walk out of that cell into freedom. Now, has Jesus' power ended? Do you know that you're no less than this woman caught in adultery? And you're no better? He can do the same way. Jesus is still the way and he's still the truth that he speaks over you all the time to liberate you and to move you into the freedom of relationship with him and with the Father. Jesus is greater than religion and Jesus is greater than man's judgment. Man's judgment should have no effect over you. You're not subject to man's judgment. You're subject to God's judgment. Now, that doesn't mean that you can drive as fast as you want and get out of every ticket. I'm just saying that it should, doesn't speak to your relationship with the Father. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He spoke to her new life where sin had only brought her death. He spoke to her a life free from this cycle. He spoke to her freedom in her heart so that she had his love and no longer needed to seek after acceptance and love through the arms of men. He spoke life to her. Do you realize how much power there is in the word there where Jesus said, go? He said, neither do I con uh, condemn you. Go and sin no more. That word go is just like an authoritative command of Jesus, God speaking, purpose, life, calling, moving forward, breakthrough. He says, go. Go! Woo! Hits her. Heart changes. She's suddenly like, wow, I, I'm so different. I, I, I don't feel that need anymore. That, there isn't that brokenness. I can walk in freedom. The shackles are gone. He spoke, go! Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Has Jesus ever spoken go over you? He does. He is. If you don't think you've heard it, you probably need to meditate a while because he'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 I've been speaking that for 10 years over you. You just think it's this or you think it's that, but you know, don't be condemned. This is, this is actually me saying, go, you're free. You're empowered. I love that go because it isn't just 
it isn't just, yeah, I'm going to unlock this chain and hope you have a good life. It is, I am with you. You're walking with me. You're free. You have my full authority. You have my full uh, provision. You have the full calling. Abide with me and I will hold your hand. And as the Holy Spirit says, the, the paraclete, he'll come alongside and guide you and walk with you as you move. That's what that word go. The other morning I woke up and I was thinking about this whole thing. I was thinking how he said go and the power of that go and what it meant. And I was like, Jesus, that is so awesome how you spoke that. Would you speak that again over me? Just reassure me that you're with me. Reassure me that I have your strength. Reassure me that you haven't forgotten. You know, reassure me that there's a way through. Reassure, and I just began to pray this, Lord, sink this deep in my heart to go. Speak that over me so I can just, because what I want to do is I want to flow in a, in a level where I'm like, okay, Diane, go. Jesus says go. And man, the power of the Holy Spirit just hits Diane and she says, woo, baby, come on. Because Jesus answers and he speaks with that authority. I don't want to get in the way of Jesus so that when I speak, I miss out on what he's actually saying. I want to say what Jesus says so that it has the authority of his speech. See, Jesus is greater than religion. He's greater than the judgment of men. And you know what? He's also greater. Sin and brokenness. He's also greater. Sin and brokenness doesn't intimidate Jesus. He's not like, well, you know, I'd really like to use that person. I'd really like to be with them. But they got this issue, and I just can't trust them. And, you know, I did once or twice, and they failed me twice, so I'm just not there anymore. Jesus isn't like that. He is always, hey, we are moving forward. I am speaking life into this area. I'm speaking freedom into this area. I am moving you into who I've called you to be each step of the way, closer and closer to the calling. How cruel it would be for Jesus to say, go and sin no more if there wasn't any power or authority behind those words. All you'd be doing is just setting that woman up for failure, discouragement, and for the enemy to come in and not only eat her lunch, but totally wipe her out. So when Jesus says, go and sin no more, it is with the full package empowerment of his redemption coming alongside her and say, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to heal this area. I'm going to walk you out of this brokenness. I'm going to lead you to where you don't look for me. And man, you look for me where I am, that your heart will no longer be broken from the past pain and relationships and, and this. I'm going to heal this area and you're going to be walking and you're going to be full of my love and people are going to go, wow, she is just full of the love of Jesus. Amen. You know, he did this for Mary Magdalene. Cast seven devils out of her. He did this on and on and on. Why would he not do it for you? 
why are you not worthy? Why is the power of God not sufficient? It is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it is. Why would you believe that? Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And he never leaves you nor forsakes you. You know, in, in, in church leadership, it says in Ephesians 4 how that God placed different, five different giftings. Uh, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, or the shepherd, I think is the actual word, the teacher, and the uh, prophet. I didn't repeat to leave one out. I hate leaving one out, you know. Jesus walked in all five of these anointings. These, these five fulfill the fullness of Jesus. And you see Jesus walking in this. And so he gave out five because more than likely I'm not able. I'm not able to walk in all five. But if I gather the other voices around me, we can have the full-on picture of Jesus speaking. So when he speaks this, we gather together and encourage one another from these five voices to be able to walk out and understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because the evangelist, the evangelist comes in, and you see this where Jesus did. He met her right there in the middle of her sin. He was sitting in the dirt. He got down there in the dirt with her where she was probably thrown in. It wasn't like they let her in, promenade, you know, promenade, you know, and she was dressed nice and they stood before. It wasn't like that. They probably dragged her kicking and screaming by her hair and threw her on the ground. They're getting ready to stone her. It's not like they valued her. And Jesus is sitting in the dirt with her. The evangelist, the evangelist gets down there and goes, okay, you got value, you got value, you got value. Jesus sees you. The heart of the evangelist. The heart of the pastor, the shepherd, loved her and cared for her heart. Met her where she was. Loved her. Spoke life over her. Spoke a way forward. Pointed to Jesus. The prophet spoke God's truth, spoke God's heart. He didn't leave her there in her sin. He spoke what the truth is. Go and sin no more. Come into the fullness. This is the fullness of what Jesus has. Walk in it. The heart of the teacher brought truth to her in a way that she could understand. He didn't speak above her. Didn't speak with condens uh, uh, condescension. I was going to say condensation. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord, it's you. <laughs> spoke where she could understand. Got down into the dirt and spoke truth to her. The teacher brought the word down to where she could grab a hold of it. And the apostle 
gave purpose to her as a daughter and sent her on a mission. Go and sin no more. See, Jesus walked all of these out. When we get individuals, we tend to focus on one of these areas really well. Sometimes we'll get one and a half, maybe two, but more than likely you are one strong. That's why we have the plethora of voices so that we can get you spoken over and encouraged to walk in the way, the truth, and the life, to be non-religious, to not let religion keep you from having what Jesus has for you. Religion just steals. It gives you the assurance that you're okay with God, but never answers the heart. It never points the heart to Jesus. Religion actually condemns because it's never enough. It's never enough. These five voices that Jesus sends to the church not only help you overcome from religion, but they help you overcome the rule or judgment of men. They help to heal your heart because when you have love from the Father, you don't fear man. Perfect love casts out all fear. And when your heart is healed in all of these areas, then you're no longer running around doing things and acting and trying to win the heart of men. You win the heart of the Father. And you walk in the freedom of that. And these five voices meet you where you are, speak God's truth, teach you how to get there, love you as you are, and give you purpose to move forward. And these five voices also break the power of sin. Remind you that you are free in Christ Jesus. That his blood was sufficient. And cause you to come into the fullness of holiness that he's called you to be. Be holy for I am holy. Walking. And what that means is that is walking in relationship with God where you're not getting anything to meet your needs that God provides. There are no idols. There are no uh, supplements. There's nothing that you use to cope. This is where he leads us, and these five voices encourage us to move forward in our pursuit of Jesus. Jesus is speaking go over you today. The fullness of of what he has for you. You are free, you are healed, you are saved, you're redeemed, you're delivered. This is what he's speaking over you. And we will continue to speak this over you as you grow and move forward. Jesus stood up and said to her, Hey, woman, hey, guys, where's everybody that condemns you today? Where's everybody that says you're not good enough? Where's everybody that says God's not big enough? Where's everybody that says you can't overcome in this area? Where's everyone that says it ain't going to happen? Where are they? And she answered, Nobody's here, Lord. 
Nobody's here. Lord, I'm going to listen to you because you're Lord. And he says, great. I'm for you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not speaking these things over you. So go now in the power of my word and walk it out. So this morning, church, in the power of his word, in his healing power, in his joy, in your fellowship with Jesus, go and walk it out. Father, bless this church. Bless their ears to hear, their hearts to receive, their time of fellowship as they spur one another on and encourage one another. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and well, Lord, in each of our lives, meeting us exactly in our ats today, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.